So there's ways of making money in this industry. Like you said, there's a side hustle. A lot of kids are doing it as a side hustle, and they're making a lot of money. What would be your advice on, on how to make money trading cards? Episode 70, like Joe Buck would say. For 70! How much more can you give us, Big Mac? Number 70! Been waiting a long time for that, for number 70! This one with Mike Giuseppe. Disclaimer, this was recorded about a month ago when the NFC and AFC Championship games are going on, or a week prior to that. So we gave our Super Bowl predictions. Thankfully, we were both wrong. I found him on Real Sports on HBO. They were doing coverage on sports cards and what it's done and how that market has just skyrocketed and gone nuts. And he was part of this special on HBO, Real Sports. Reached out to him. He got back to me. We had an awesome conversation. It was very fun. It's, it's fun. We're not talking politics today, so it's fun. And uh, gives you some really good insight on the market, how it's going, how it's going to go, and how it got here. He's got his own podcast, Sports Cards Nonsense. Uh, that's actually part of the Ringer podcast with Bill Simmons. So uh, he's doing some things, is Mike. He's a really nice guy. I think I pissed him off early on in the, uh, in the interview. I, I, I basically told him that he's he's got a mafia family with that last name. <laughs> I love the last name. I do. Giuseppe. Giuseppe. Here we go. Episode 70 with Mike Giuseppe of Sports Cards Nonsense. Let's go. Mike, how you doing, man? Good, good. How are you? Good, good. You know, you've got one of my favorite names, Mike Giuseppe. You had to have had a grandfather's father's uncle's brother's kid do something to somebody who was acting up back in the day, right? I don't know what that means, but I appreciate <laughs> the compliment. It's uh, like, yeah, Mike Giuseppe, you know? You don't mess with the Mike Giuseppe. A case could be made, sure. Yeah. Congrats on the uh, the ringer with uh, Bill Simmons. Be, you know, that's a big deal, man. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. We appreciate it. How did he approach you guys? Uh, we got a call from Chris Vernon. He, Chris Vernon's a, one of the Memphis Grizzlies guys. has his own show. He's on the ringer, too. He happened to see one of our TikTok videos, and me and Jesse were just spewing our content and clips everywhere on our own. He saw it and liked what he saw and reached out that night. And after we talked to him for a minute, he said, hey, let, let me put you in touch with my boss. And I think we got something here. And Bill called that night, and yeah, and that was it. He started looking through our, you know, limited social activity, and he was he was interested in the space and just wanted to jump in with it. This craze is crazy because so back in the day when you and I were opening packs, we would take our mom to the local store and buy a three dollar pack. Nowadays, it's for the big boys, and those those three dollar packs are now gone. This all kind of started you know, while COVID kind of arrived without COVID, do you think there'd be this kind of craze? I mean, not to this degree, but, but I mean, honestly, as far back as 2016, there's a lot of us making a lot of money in the space. It just, it definitely magnified during the lockdown in 2020. So I don't think we'd be quite where we're at right now, but I do think we have, you know, a pretty big market right now still, even without it. And why do you think it's happened? I mean, people like to, like to make money doing as little work as possible or doing something they actually like. So I think it brought a lot of people in, you know, 2020 and 2021 for the most part were, were very profitable for a lot of people who came into the space. So it became just a popular side hustle. It's a kind of a nice blend of 
you know, if you want to look at it as an investment or as an asset class, you can. If it's a nostalgic thing for you, you know, great. If it's a, you know, collecting hobby type space for you, there's room for that too. So, yeah, I just think it offers a lot of uh, different avenues where you can get in, you know, regardless of what your motivation is. It, COVID helped though. I mean, the lockdown, people were looking for social, you know, activity, couldn't actually be with people. So it was, you know, let's join Facebook groups and go live on Instagram and get involved in these live streams and, and be a part of a community. And yeah, cards provided like just a really good landing spot for it. You said you started in 2016 or was it prior to that? That's when I really started full time. Yeah, 2016. Yep. Messed around with that as a hobby growing up. Yeah. What were you doing prior? Uh, painting and drywall. A small little construction company. Wow. So 2016 came and you were kind of, were you kind of like done with that industry and, and you figured you could make enough money? In, in the card industry? Yeah, it just became a slow thing. I started taking a day a week off of, uh, of, of regular work to help out with, with uh, breaking and with flipping singles and getting involved in, in cars. And then by the end of the year, you know, two or three days a week off, it became the, the primary source of income. And then by 2017, it was, yeah, full time. Put, put up a little bit of money we had in December of 2016 to get super busy in 2017. And that's, yeah, just wrote out that little investment. Talk about that money you had. Tell tell me about that story when you sold off your cards for an engagement ring. Oh yeah, you're going back to 2006. Nope, 2007. I, we got married in 2008. So yeah, in 2007, I moved back home to save up some cash just to you know pay off some debt, save up to buy a ring. Moved back down to Tennessee to marry my my now wife. Yeah, I had a. Uh, I think I was down to one, two row box of just autographs, jerseys, whatever, and a couple, you know maybe 50 to a hundred dollar cards and at one final card so i just sold off pretty much everything else i had and that was most if not all of my uh, ring engagement money that to go out and buy the ring for crazy how much was it how much did you did you collect oh it was nothing it was six hundred dollars a, oh a friend of God. hers that's awesome she knew a couple down here she loved this girl's ring and then last minute they broke off their engagement so i called the girl and bought it from her <laughs> so i bought the ring used <laughs> did you did you trade it for cards did you like hey just take my cards yeah, here's here's the cardboard money. Give me the <laughs> give me your broken marriage money. Dude, that is awesome. Does she still have the same ring, or did you upgrade her? Uh, I think the the base foundation of it's there now. That's is a awesome. monstrosity. But yeah. So there's ways of making money in this industry, like you said. There's a side hustle. A lot of kids are doing it as a side hustle, and they're making a lot of money. What would be your advice on on how to make money trading cards? Pretty generic, boring advice to start. I mean, come in and learn a space before you invest or before you try to buy it and make money. You know, when I say learn a space, what brands move the needle for people? What causes uh, players to spike? Is it, is it simply hype? Are there certain events that cause it? Is there, you know, specific timing depending on the sport? Um, what is a player's history? Is it in a big market? You know, are you able to buy cards raw and then get them graded and flipped that way? It's become more difficult, but still, still a viable option. Um, you know, is there certain sealed product boxes, cases you can buy and hold, and based on the you know history of those products, it's it's a good chance they're going up. And then just taking a chance, you know, you, you follow a prospect in baseball, who very few people have heard about. You've done your homework, get him for pennies on the dollar, and then he pops. You know, where you had a good feeling about Joe Burrow six months ago because you saw what he was doing, you liked it, you saw his market compared to. You know, say Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, he was selling for a fraction. You know, okay, I'm going to take my money and put it there. So different plays, it's become a lot tougher the last year. I mean, I, I would say at least half of the investments or guys I've targeted and bought over the last year have probably lost money. 
there's been a major swing. The market's cooled way off. So it's you definitely have to get in here with money you can afford to lose. Because there's more players? Yeah, there's more players. And, and honestly, 2021 was just a year of unbelievable hype. Uh, and everybody under the sun just talking things up. You had social influencers talking things up, causing just ridiculous spikes that they were so inflated you knew they couldn't stay. But a lot of people got in and bought it at crazy high levels, and then the market just cooled. I mean, common sense, as often happens, common sense prevails. It just takes a, a lot of people losing money because they didn't have any business being in the space in the first place. Mm-hmm. So where are you buying cards? Are you buying cards online, eBay? Are you are you opening up your own packs? Like where where are you finding your gems? Yeah, I mean it's easy for me too. That's the other thing. I, very easy for me. I mean I have an established relationship with so many people. I did. I made a post yesterday saying saying, hey, I'm buying cards at eighty percent of comps. So people have a bunch of two hundred dollar cards. I give them one hundred and sixty bucks a piece. I'll cover the fees, and I can buy those. And, and the appeal to the person is, well, I can dump off a bunch of cards at once. No, I'm not getting absolute top dollar, but I'm going to deal with somebody who's you know, pretty easy to deal with. You know you're going to get paid. There's not going to be a chargeback or buyer's remorse later. And then down the road, you know, with guys like that, uh, you know, small conversations. By the way, who, who do you collect? Okay, so you just sold me $5,000 worth of cards for 4000 bucks. I can make a little bit of money. Next time I see an Aaron Rodgers card, I'm going to give Joe Schmo a call because I made a deal with him and I remember he liked Rodgers. So I can send a card his way and then, you know – Hey, Mike was cool with me last time. He gave me a fair offer. They'll come back. So at this point, honestly, I've become super lazy with it. I have a pretty good network of guys I can just deal with. Um, But Facebook, you know, eBay once in a while for high-end stuff. Golden auctions for some of the real high-end and crazy stuff I can't find elsewhere. And I still rip now and again, mostly just for fun. I basically just assume when I open a box, I'm lighting my money on fire. And if I happen to hit something, it's just kind of a bonus. Yeah. Are you working out of home or do you have a little store? So we have a we have an office for the recording studio. We actually signed uh, last week, so we we bought a a pretty good sized building down here that we're going to build out um, as a full size recording studio with the video docs and all that. And then we're going to start using that for some of our live selling app that we're launching next month. Congratulations, that is awesome. Uh, so give me a card that's under the radar right now, but it's one you should buy and and keep for the long haul. For me, it's Brady. You know, and and. You know, I, I don't do the whole, hey, this guy's going up thing. I think too many guys do that and people get burned. I mean, for me, like long haul, pick a Hall of Famer you really like and buy him if he's not at a historic high. You know, this time last year, Brady was at a historic high after his Super Bowl. No reason to buy him. Right now, Brady's tapered off some because of the loss. I'm a Brady guy. I'll go with high grade Brady rookies right now. And then I like him. So those are going to my safety deposit box. If they go down 10%, so be it. If they spike and double, doesn't really change a whole lot for me. Those are staying with me as, as long as I can hold them. And it'd be good if he retires? Would that would that help yeah, the market? Yeah, absolutely. Anytime there's a retirement, a Hall of Fame induction, you know, a death, sad to say, always huge positive increase in, in pricing when those things happen. How much do you think you have in your safety deposit box? I'll be honest with you. So we just had a big documentary, and I don't think I told them either. I don't think that's anything I've ever said publicly. I've got a couple. They they actually saw one where there's probably, you know, depending on the day, four to 500. I'm not as invested in cards as, as, as a lot of these big players, though. There's a lot of guys now who have, you know, honestly, $5 million collections. I have much less than that. I, I, I really tried to diversify hard the first year and things really took off. Where, where's the documentary? So XTR is a company, pretty big L.A. company. Uh, they've done a bunch of docs for Netflix, for HBO. Uh, they just finished filming with us, with Josh Luber, 
some pretty big names. I, I think they're going to start pitching it around the end of uh, like late summer, nice early fall probably. So it'll hit Netflix, you think? It'll hit one of the big areas. Yeah, one of the big ones: Netflix, Hulu, HBO. Uh, yeah, we had a six-man crew uh, at the house here for I think five days, kind of following us around. Going back to the uh, the cart thing to hold on to. What about one you want to buy now and maybe move in twelve months? What, what would that What would that guy be? In twelve months, yeah, it's a tough one for me. So next, so you're talking next year? Yeah, say time. like six six to twelve months. So six months, yeah. I mean, in the months, I'm trying to think when the NBA Finals, NBA playoff run starts. What's that? April, May. Mm-hmm. Ends in June. Oh yeah, so May June. Yeah, yeah. I think that's when you start looking at guys who are playing really well now. The NBA in general is is down to a degree. Long season, you're kind of in that low. You know, who is going to be, I think the Joker's a great buy, not as a short-term just buy and flip, but the dude's playing at a crazy efficiency ratings through the roof. I mean, probably the front runner for MVP right now, and yet his pricing is down across the board. Well, Jamal Murray's back in five months, six months, playoff start. You know, they make some noise in the playoffs. I think he'd have a, a big spike. Giannis, too, as a matter of fact. Giannis' rookie stuff in general, I think, will spike when people you know see him on the main stage again. Kevin Durant, great guy, all-time great, hurt on a front-running team when he's healthy. So I think it's going to pick your top-tier NBA star, rookie guy you could afford, and, and roll with them if they're, if they're playoff-bound. So I saw a Donovan Mitchell sign card. It was uh, He listed it for 110 bucks, And I did some research, and, and everything on eBay was no, nothing less than 300 Now, does this guy not know the market? Does he not know what he's doing? Or is it something he just wants to flip? Or is that is, is Donovan Mitchell's stock coming down? Not, I mean, nothing that dramatic. I don't know the exact card, but if the car is selling for three hundred and somebody lists it for hundred bucks, I'd say go buy it all day, I mean, right? Unless Mitchell, unless Mitchell just got his legs amputated yesterday, <laughs> I think spiders a safe. Spiders a pretty safe bet. Yeah. Okay. I thought so too. Now, there's another thing I'm confused by: are these reprints? Because you get a, a beautiful looking card. It looks exactly the same and it's going for $1,200. And then you get this card that looks exactly the same. It's the same exact card, but it's a reprint that's going for 15 bucks. But who says somebody can't sell that reprint for 1500 bucks and try to fool you? Yeah, I guess they could. I mean, people sell good fakes and good reprints, you know, all the time. I mean, sad to say it happens. So you can't, so there's no, you can't tell a difference. Like it won't say on the bottom when it was re, like when it was reprinted. So it depends. Tops will and Panini as well will make reprinted cards. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, in the in the early two thousands, especially, they started reprinting certain autograph sets of, you know, say the nineteen eighty four Elway rookie. But you could it would say on the back, printed in two thousand one, reprint of the nineteen eighty four. But people then, you know, the difference is people would also make counterfeit cards that they try to pawn off as originals. Uh, you know, so that's kind of the downside. I actually, I didn't get taken. I, I got it for a stupid cheap price, which should have been my first indication. But last week. I've been on a, a kick to just buy autograph rookies. I got a Jerry Rice PSA authenticated autograph on his rookie card, Hall of Fame inscription too, which kind of bumped the value. And I got it stupid cheap, so I knew there had to be something. Of course, I just wasn't paying attention. It's a reprint rookie card, so it's not authentic card. The auto on it is authentic. So, yeah, it happens. I mean, there are, but there are legitimate reprints by the company, and then there are just forged or counterfeit cards made by you know, just scumbags in the hobby. Yeah. So it was his signature, but the card was a reprint. Yeah. Yep. So the auto, yeah. So the holder authenticates the auto only on this one. It's very specific, uh, but the card itself was a reprint. Yep. Hmm. That's, it's, it's, just, it's dirty, man. If you don't know what you're doing, right? Like how, how would you, 
I don't know, man. I always look at those cards and I and I and I feel like you can easily get fooled by a reprint. And I don't know. I guess you'd have to see the ratings on the guy who's selling it, right? If if it's he's on eBay or, or something like that, if he's on one of those sites. Yeah, little due diligence. I mean, quite frankly, had it not been late at night, I probably could have, you know, spent thirty more seconds researching and realizing why it was such a good deal. But yeah, there's ways to protect yourself to a reasonable degree. So, what's your favorite card you hold today? My favorite card. Uh, so I always throw it back to the 2000 flair. It's a, it's a set of ten cards. They basically tore off the leather part of the baseball, built a card around it, and had players autograph it. That's kind of the set that got me kind of back interested in the hobby. It was a set I messed around with in high school when I was a you know, eighth grade freshman in high school. And then uh, probably 10 years after high school, I started messing around with cards on a very limited basis. And that was kind of the set that got me back into the chase of trying to complete a set, you know, find all 10 of these cards uh, and just put the thing together. So it's, it's a weird set. There's like a Tony Gwynn, Alex Rodriguez, Greg Maddox, and this is you know, Jay Buhner, Tony Womack, you know, mm. uh, but for me, that was always a big, a big set for me getting me back in. Jose Cruz Jr., an all-star. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. How, what, do, what do you think that set is worth today? Anything? Oh, nothing. I mean, Nolan Ryan's in there. I mean, all 10 cards, maybe $700 for all 10. Okay. But yeah, I like it. So to me, it's, yeah, to me, it's the one thing I don't, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't want to sell. Yeah. How about the most expensive card you've pulled? So at Geo Breaks, we've pulled some big stuff. We had a Joe Burrow rookie auto one of one out of a product called Flawless. Uh, that sold at Golden Auction with the buyer premium. I think it hit just about 85000 mm. We pulled a Zion Williamson rookie patch auto out of National Treasures. This was months ago when he was actually hot. Uh, that sold for like 62 63 uh, Back in the day, some big Wander Franco cards that are, you know, I don't think we've cracked 100000 yet on, on cards we've pulled. Definitely a, a bunch north of twenty five. You know, a few north of fifty, and, and the borough is probably the highest. But yeah, still have not cracked the six figures on a, on a pulled card at least. Have you sold the borough and the Zion? Yeah, we pulled them for customers. Yep. So they bought they bought the boxes. We ripped them. They sold them. Wait, wait, you broke the box for a customer. He pulled that card. Yeah. So so breaking is what it's called. It's like it's like an online. You know, we get a we get a box. We sell it for the markup. Those guys get it. They own the card. Then they would they go through the you know road of selling it. Did you see those dudes who pulled a big card? I forgot what card it was, and they got slammed for it because they kept it. It was on one of those breaker sites on TikTok, and yeah, right. And they broke this monster card and they like put it to a side and be like, "Oh no, we're not going to give you that one." Yeah, I mean, so that happened on whatnot, that live streaming app. Yeah, I mean, I think that's part of the part of the issue with the hobby right now. You've got kids who, you know, their first. First inclination on a card like that is not. They end up making it right to a degree after the fact, but uh, yeah, I think integrity is, you know, just like any other business. I think integrity is hard to find. So, what would be the box to open nowadays? If you had to choose one box to open, what would it be? Yeah, I'm a flawless guy. Flawless football. You get a long shot at some monster, monster Tom Brady cards. I just think it's the best. Football for me is the number one sport. Anyway, just on a personal level, to chase. So yeah, flawless football. They come in those actual lockdown briefcases. That yeah, that's the one for me. I love it. How often are you guys breaking boxes for customers? Oh, uh, so Eddie. So I sold the breaking company. I own twenty percent still. It's called Geo Breaks on Facebook. Uh, my buddy Eddie bought the company though. He runs it. It's his. He owns eighty percent. I mean, he'll break anywhere from two cases to ten cases in a day, five to seven days a week. I mean, he's 
he's blown up. He owns a shop now, opened up a shop with a buddy of his out in San Jose. Uh, he's got a whole bunch of guys on the team now, guys who just do nothing but sort cards, ship, help list the brakes, you know, help with inventory. He's got a pretty massive full-scale operation going. And that's all on Facebook? For now, it's on Facebook. And then starting just about three weeks from now, we, we built out an app over the past few months. He'll be breaking exclusively on the app, um, which is just a live streaming app. And then um, just he'll be exclusively there. We'll bring on other people as well to break boxes, sell boxes, sell packs, sell singles, all that. Okay, so I want to kind of get into the PSA stuff. Like from a 9 to a 10, how big of a difference that is. And then and then a certain rookie card. Like it's always that certain card that they pick that is the card rather than a certain card or a certain rookie card from another uh, maker of the card. So why why is it that like there's that one rookie card from a maker that's 10 times more valuable than the other rookie card? You know, honestly, a lot of it just comes down to why does a, you know, a Prada purse so for more than the persons at Walmart, uh, to a degree, could you argue the material is that much more expensive? I guess the craftsmanship again, to a degree, sure, but it just, it's a, it, what's trendy, you know, trend control. So prism is a basketball and football product. People have just decided is, is the product to chase. So it's expensive. Um, so a PSA 10 card there, you know, for example, a John Morant PSA 10 base card, he's as hot as it gets in basketball right now. He's doing about 250 bucks. There's super cheap brands where PSA 10 John Morant, just a different brand rookie, is doing maybe fifty to sixty dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I saw I saw John Morant yesterday too. It was like six sixty bucks, and then he had his another rookie card that was yeah ten times that, eight times that. Yep, it's wild, yep, man. Absolutely. So you think it's a fad? You think this is going away anytime soon? You know, I I think four months ago there was some real fear, like man, where's the bottom? Where's the floor of this? bubble bursting i don't think it was a bubble to burst but it was definitely a, a hard market correction but at this point we've seen not only a leveling off we've seen you know sports in general a lot of players in general things trending up again so i, I think we're past the worst of it we, we reached the floor and now we're kind of seeing individual spikes and, uh, and positive movement again yeah and i you know i know that the well i think the difference mike is back in the day trying to sell a card you'd go to high school and try to trade a card with your friend or or sell it for five dollars and you'd get your Beckett once a month and find out what your card is worth (laughs) and if it's going up or down right and and then the only other way the other option would be that you'd go to a show with your dad or your uncle and you'd have i don't know a couple thousand dollars worth of cards and you're trying to sell to this 60 year old guy who's trying to rob you so nowadays the difference is it's all over the internet You've got websites that you can sell all of this stuff to, and that's the reason why it's so much more valuable and so much more interesting to others because there's a huge market now for it where you can type it in to a website or go on eBay or offer up or whatever it is, and you can find a hundred cards that you're looking for. Yeah, it's become a big world as opposed to, like you said, growing up at that, at that one show, you know, two old guys named Sid had a bunch of Mickey Mantles, and those are the only places you could find a Mickey Mantle card. Yeah. Now you can go to, you know, 20 different platforms and yeah. find any Mantle card you want any hour of the day. NFTs. When I when I mention NFTs, what, what comes to your mind? <laughs> Screenshots that people have determined are valuable. So it's a thriving market. I don't I don't try to even pretend to understand it. But yeah, it's it's certainly become a very viable, active marketplace. I don't in get the sports it. Sports world. I don't get it. 
it it does nothing for me. I, I like art. I like putting stuff on walls. I like touching things. I like uh, having in my possession. I don't I don't understand this digital stuff, right? You, you're owning something that's digital, and and then you're you're flipping it for a profit. I just I don't get it. It doesn't uh, compute with me. To me, it's just a space that I flip purely for for making money for a hustle. Mm-hmm. There's nothing in it that I, I get into because I enjoy or I have to have this picture. You know, certain Brady cards I'm just going to overpay for because I want them. I've never had that impulse yet with an NFT. We rip a ton of packs for Panini. We have a pretty big sponsorship with Panini. Uh, so we rip open their packs quite a bit. Uh, I mean, the, one of the first experiences I had, I bought a gold Mac Jones digital card NFT for $104, I think. Sold it like three weeks later after we went on a tear for like 800 And so I've just been using that kind of money and just messing around with, with just little things. So, yeah, it's there. Not going anywhere. So if I go on the website on Facebook, uh, Geo Breaks, you said? G-I-O breaks. G-I-O breaks. If I go on there, then I can just type in the chat room and say, I want to buy a box. How does it work? Yeah, so Eddie will post individual breaks right now. He just posted up Flawless Basketball, which releases tomorrow. So he'll get it pre-filled and pre-sold by the spot. And then tomorrow on the official release day, uh, he'll go on and break it live for everybody to see. There'll be a live chat, live video, all that. And what 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 would a box cost nowadays? <laughs> So flawless is crazy. I mean, flawless is like it's two boxes. I think it's twenty five thousand dollars. Holy um, shit! How many cards? Ten cards per briefcase. Oh my god. Yeah, but then you've got other cards, cheaper baseball, different things you can get for the hobby for seventy five to one hundred bucks. Still, plenty of cheap options, but there's a lot of high end. Wow. The, I mean, I heard four to five hundred bucks, but twenty five grand—that is crazy. Now, the chances of reaping any type of uh, um, I guess a return on investment in that, like what would be the percentage of you getting a big card in that, in that $25,000 investment? Oh man, 5%. Mm. So he'll sell them instead of to one person, he'll break it up and sell it as a group break. So certain people will buy certain teams or certain serial numbers and chase a small percentage. So not one guy spending, you know, 25,000, you may have 2,500 guys spend a hundred dollars or, or, 200 excuse me 250 guys spent 100 dollars. so he'll break it down it makes it much more affordable to buy in and, and chase it but that's definitely a high high risk high reward product probably the most yeah for sure uh you know a guy like gary v i think helped the cause too in this industry i know you had him on the show what was that like you know it was interesting i had a really great feeling about him early loved it he came on and this is to be expected. I mean, we reached out to him for two or three months as we were just, you know, two idiots in a closet making a podcast. We got something about the ringer. We put Simmons' name on it. You know, we got him on within an hour. Um, I liked that he was in it. The problem I have with him and guys like that is it's a flavor of the week for a lot of people. It was a real hard pump up of this market for four months. And then people bought in and then people went pretty quiet because nobody was flipping to make money very easily. And so I often wonder, you know, if you're going to be in it when it's good, well, stick around and help those same people out. They bought in because you gave them advice. Well, now it's become a tough marketplace to just flip money. You can't just buy anything that's going to go up 20% in a week. You know, I would have liked to have seen more of those type of, of big microphone people stick around. Um, but see, I think he had an initial good reaction. I think he also turned a lot of people off with his pretty quick exit. So you're saying he was in it when it was hot? And did he did he see it trending down, or was he part of the trend down? I think both. I mean, and, and you know what, he certainly may very well still be involved. Yeah. Um, but you know, when's the last time you heard him talking specifically about baseball cards? Yeah, no, he hasn't. It's more 
more a, NFT. A year NFT. ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, a year ago, though, when we first, because we're on our one-year anniversary, he was probably on it, but a year ago, as a matter of fact, late January, early February, I mean, he was making the runs with all the podcasts, which is fantastic, but, you know, you're going to pump something up and get it inflated, stick around and either keep it up there or help guys on the crash, one of the two. Yeah. So you're the host of a Sports Cards Nonsense podcast, right? Yep. And that's everywhere people can listen to podcasts. Yeah, so we're paid by Spotify. It's a Spotify podcast, but it's on Apple, iTunes, yeah, Amazon, wherever. Cool, man. Anything else you want to talk about or plug? No, that's it. We've got a YouTube show under Sports Cards and Nonsense uh, under the YouTube. We just started that three weeks ago. Our fourth show comes up tomorrow. That's a slow build, yeah. We're not YouTube people, so uh, we've got some pretty cool big-name sponsors on there. We're just trying to find our groove with that. Um, we've got Bobby Witt coming on there. Bobby Wood Jr., one of the big prospects. He's going to come on and rip some product with us next week. Uh, we'll have a couple of the celebrities and athletes. That's going to kind of be the direction of the show, more like a variety hour type thing. And then uh, the Card Shop is the new app that's going to be launched uh, late February, early March, like a live streaming selling platform. So those are kind of our two big projects we get going. Super Bowl prediction? Chiefs over the Rams. Ooh, you got my Rams in it, huh? Okay. I do. Yeah, they I was hoping they would have lost last week, but... Oh, you're a Brady guy. Yeah. Yep. Born and raised. Okay. Well, yeah. Yeah, man. Rams get back there again and lose. It's going to be tough. Um, it's, it's happened <laughs> way too often. But, you know, the Niners, I got to tell you, as much as I hate that team, born and raised here in L.A. and uh, Rams fan back in the days when they were in Anaheim, as much as I hate the Niners, I think they got the recipe to, uh, you know, at least for this time of year, right? They, they play the bully ball. They're very aggressive. Uh, they, they play... Uh, I think it's the best front four in the game. Great run game. And you just need Jimmy G to kind of just manage the game, maybe throw 15 times and not have him make a mistake. I don't know. I, I hate it. I hate saying it, but I, I don't know. I don't know if the Rams can beat the Niners. Yeah, they beat them. What, uh, I mean, San Francisco beat them in L.A., what, two weeks ago? Three yeah, weeks ago. Yeah, so. and six times in a row it, now. It can be done. Yeah. 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 Tough matchup. It is a tough matchup. I think it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be another good weekend. And and KCLA would be fun. That would be a great that would be a great Super Bowl. I'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, cool, man. I think uh, the, the the goal here was to kind of understand this craze and how the hell this all came about from the days we were kids to now, and, and you've really done that. So I appreciate the uh, the education. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for thanks for the discussion. Okay, enjoyed it. I'll tell you, the episode with Mike actually fired me up and pumped me up to get in the sports card uh, industry a little bit. I'm buying some mostly rookie cards. I picked up a couple Ja Morants. I found some couple Kobe's that I had in my basement, a couple rookies that are worth some bucks. And then uh, a couple like signed stuff. I bought a box. I, it was an absolute dud, absolute dud, but it was fun opening it. I spent about 450 bucks. I probably got back $4.50. Uh, not a great investment there, but it was fun. It's still fun. I enjoy it. I think the market is trending down. Uh, I think this really people really got excited about it when they had nothing to do at home during quarantine life. And uh, and I get it. And, it. and it went crazy. And guys like Gary Vee got into it. And that guy's got a huge following. And what he does and what he says, most of the time people do. And that's kind of what happened. But it's fun. I enjoy it. And it's kind of some, you know, little side side fun. So I was very upset at myself. I pride myself on follow up questions, and I didn't ask him which card that he held that he won't tell us about how much he has. But that one card that he's got in his safe, what card is it? Um, 
upset at myself that I didn't ask him that. I reached out to him, but he he didn't he ghosted me because <laughs> because I think that uh, mafia thing kind of threw him off. It was fun. I uh, enjoyed it. I hope he did too, and I appreciate him coming on. It's always a lot of fun. This is a lot of fun, and uh, reach out to me if you think somebody would be a good guest on this show. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for making me a part of your day. It means so much. I am Mike Gabriel. This is Mike Up Pod. Until next time, folks, no wasted days. Let's go. Go.